Hey, it's Kyle Meredith, host of the Kyle Meredith with podcast, presented by WFPK at WFPK.org and the Consequence Podcast Network. It's a series that puts the spotlight on iconic musicians and actors, inviting them to drop by and talk about their latest projects, whether it's albums, TV shows, films, or beyond. I'm going to say something I don't want to say. Here it goes. Without Spinal Tap, there is no Tenacious D. Whoa. <laughs> Man. We get great stories and the biggest scoops from people like Garbage's Shirley Manson, the 1975's Maddie Healy, Jack Black and Kyle Gass of Tenacious D, Maya Hawk, Kiefer Sutherland, and everyone in between. New episodes arrive every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones. You can find Kyle Meredith with on the Consequence Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. Consequence Podcast Network. Leo Phillips here with This Must Be The Gig, your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Every single week we bring you fascinating conversations from the beating heart of the performance scene with some of the most exciting names on this big, gigantic, spongy globe. We talk passion, we talk first concerts, insights into the creative mind during this truly unusual time, and everything in the Juicy Centre. This week, we're excited to share a conversation with Taylor Rice and Ryan Hahn, two of the founding members of Southern California's Local Natives. We would open up, you know, Kazaa and like illegally overnight download these live videos of At The Drive-In playing. The group first came together when they were just high schoolers, and not long later, their debut record, Gorilla Manor, solidified their radiant indie rock credentials. Over a decade later, the Five Piece have now released four studio albums and spread their sunshine and wondery at festivals and sold-out shows around the world. Most recently, the band put out the four-track Sour Lemon EP, collaborated with Sharon Van Etten, and put together an incredible livestream concert for eager fans. In this chat, Lior spoke with Taylor and Ryan about playing shows in living rooms earlier in their career, idolizing at the drive-in, working with the Nationals' Aaron Dessner, keeping sane as a new parent during quarantine, and so much more. So let us not be delayed, this is Lior and local natives. Enjoy! We've been together a very long time. I've been playing shows with Ryan, actually, for like 20 years um, since we were like children. We're used to seeing each other all the time, you know, mm. at a very regular cadence. And with the release, you know, it came out and we actually had filmed this concert, which is the first time we had been together and in a place. And it was really amazing. Um, and so we did get to do that, but then it was like, oh, also, hey, we booked like a TV performance and they're going to use a, you know, a song from the concert and it aired, you mm -hmm. know, today. 
and you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> you know, like we played on TV today and it was just like, you know, a, a, a pre-taped thing we had done before. So yeah, it's definitely strange to have new music out and this whole release and still <laughs> just be, be zooming and FaceTiming about it. It's a bizarre disconnect for sure. Not knowing when things are going to return to normal, Why? you know, just the lack of being able to to have the uh, the light at the end of the tunnel, I guess. Like, yeah. you know, for us, like, when are we going to ever get to tour again? Or, you know, mm -hmm. when are we going to just get to hang out? I, I just think not knowing that that really throws an extra twist into the, like, <laughs> the like the feelings, the, the maybe the anxiety of it all. Yeah, it's so against human nature yeah. to this whole experience, or even if you venture out, right, and you see some humans, you have this immediate thing to sort, to be, like, afraid of them, to not want to be near them, and also that sense of unknowing what our future is, like, mm. humans... I think really hate that and in general and for for us like that's our cadence that we're used to but I just think everybody is going through this uh sense of no equilibrium and it definitely messes with your sense of time I've like you could tell yeah. me that quarantine started one month or three years ago and both yeah. are pretty plausible you know, I think like if you told me that, I would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I totally. It's five years and we're still in October. It still feels like I'm in February because that's kind of when everything stopped in my life, at least. I don't know if that was for you guys. Yeah, I think uh, March we played like on uh, Jimmy Kimmel and we played oh a festival. God. We flew we flew to Arizona for a festival. Um with a ton of people wow. and but that was like that was like uh first or second week in march and then i think we landed and it was like lockdown like you know yeah. just kind of everything kind of stopped from there as a creative you're always working towards something right like you you go through that cycle and that's an it's like an emotional cycle and then your release is physical so when you don't have mm -hmm. that i don't even know how that must feel I don't know how that would change the process. So do you feel like that's changed you a little bit more creatively? Uh, de definitely. Yeah. I mean, we've always had that kind of cycle of, of being in the studio and kind of being like, man, I can't wait to, to play these songs live, you know? And then, <clears throat> then you go on tour for a while and you're like, man, I'm exhausted. I can't wait to get back <laughs> in the studio. And, right. and both, both of those things feel to a degree like off limits, obviously touring more so, but like even just our band, like we haven't really gotten together inside a studio in, in months. And, and like you said, it, it's like hard to even know if like that's smart to be doing, like to, to all get together. You know, I see, I see some photos or, or videos of friends in other countries that are like, you know, properly Dude, in the studio and they're just like having a blast. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. I, okay, I don't know what's what, going on. What did I read? Did I wake up to different, like different statistics? Yeah. I have a dog, which is the thing that keeps me outside, I guess. Um, I'm also pregnant, so that makes it amazing. Congratulations. So I think, I think wow. Sense. Congrats. Yeah. Um, Leo, where do you, where do you live? I'm now in Chicago. 
Yeah, so Chicago's pretty bad at the moment. Like, I'm not. I I think. Oh right, it's pretty intense. What what um stage of your pregnancy I'm are not, you? In? I actually I'm actually pregnant with twins, which is oh which is, uh, like, yeah. yes, and it's two boys, so it's wow. kind of like, amazing. Yeah, it's a little little crazy. Um, two little wise ones, which we call the sweetie boys. Oh, <laughs> the sweetie boys. Um, All right. Yeah, so I'm now six months already. This whole year has been this Bermuda Triangle of like COVID, then political hellfire, and then, you know, this environmental issues and, you know, chaotic lack of leadership. So I feel like my, your focus, I, I don't know if this is the same for the two of you, but my focus has been so outside of myself. You know, I'm just trying to like almost not dive too much into myself i think for us like one thing back to the band dynamic is that we yeah. creatively we're so collaborative and you know we have multiple songwriters and yeah just our process is super entwined of being in a physical space and playing off yeah. of each other and we have you know sent things back and forth a little bit but it's just so alien to what our creative process is and ryan and i have had very different experiences because i am a new dad and my son is like ah! 11 months now he was oh my gosh. yeah congrats thank you yeah and so similar right there's like it's like oh my gosh like this is the worst time in history to have you know a new child and you're cut off from family and supporting friends but then there's the silver linings for sure but so that's been like a huge part of my experience and and being you know locked down with my son and being a new father and then ryan has uh well you can speak to your own experience but not having a new child and then being at right. home has been in the studio and super isolated mm -hmm. and our lives have just been so entwined for years and years and years and this is like the first time period for us as a band and as individuals that we've had such uh, you know like different experiences from each other there's so many tasks within that to unpack like being in a studio all the time and creating without your bandmates and then also being in a home with your kid without sharing that with family you know these 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 moments are like it's it's unnatural it's not meant to happen like that you know yeah, definitely we're all you know making it through in our own way and i think that i'm i'm really glad that you have released something cuz a lot of people expressed that they wanted to maybe not release something in a year when you can't tour it and I feel like everyone just needs more music. They need more Netflix shows. They need more entertainment. So I'm glad that you at least gave the people what they want. <laughs> <laughs> it it was really fulfilling, particularly like actually getting together and recording mm -hmm. this live show. You know, it was a short show. It was about 50 minutes long. Um and yeah it was surprisingly kind of emotional and fulfilling mm. in a way to be together and release that and put that out into the world as we did with these songs and mm. yeah it has definitely like given a new energy 
to us and feel connection, you know, with fans. We got to see the fans watching the, the, um, the live stream and we, we got to see fans reacting to the new music we put out that we're excited to put out. And we've just been devoid, devoid of that for so many months. It did, it did feel like a great boost. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you guys, I remember like first finding airplanes that that video i think that was like my first introduction because i wasn't living in the states so i i couldn't like catch you live somewhere and that's like one of my favorite videos to this day it's the best i just think it's the best execution of a very simple concept I don't know when was the last time either of you even saw that i literally watched it like this morning because i was like oh uh, well i yeah i hate to undercut your enthusiasm i mean just because just because that video like was the first real music video we'd ever had and and yeah. uh yeah it was just like an execution thing where we weren't around for it but we you know we were yeah. trying to to get the the idea you know pulled off um and then it ended up being just this like long heartbreaking thing of just like not like seeing eye to eye and it ended up being like a thing where not everyone was super stoked how it turned out and Wee. and uh <laughs> i mean tay is this no break my heart break my <laughs> i know i feel i feel it. bad just... as i'm saying it i hate to like have you have that reaction to us saying this but it's an amazing lesson that I yeah. do think we've learned over time where like, mm. yeah, when that video came out, it was our first video. We were so disappointed. <laughs> we were Guys, like, that video was fucking nuts. Why were you upset about it? <laughs> I, if you want, oh, we can no. like go through it. But I bet Ryan and I have not seen that video for eight years. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw it once and I was like, oh man. <laughs> I love that you loved it and I love that you had an emotional experience with it and it's such a lesson as an artist of like especially with certain things that you have don't have a lot of control over but right you slave and you slave and you slave over the album and the visuals and this thing and then you can be so wrapped up and disappointed in how things come out and then you had this great experience with it and i just think that's so valuable in a way more valuable than our kind of like weird skewed vision of it like like taylor said no 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 i feel like we've learned this lesson like a million times over like i think even especially on tour playing Mm -hmm. shows like we for a long time would just come off stage and be like oh man like i messed Mm. i messed this up you messed this up like that was a terrible show and Mm. you know and then like and then like even just like sometimes like years later bumping into someone and being like i saw you at this show and Mm. and it was like my favorite show you know and and to them like you know they had this like awesome experience and it's just Mm. such a um yeah, it's just such a good reminder that like mm-hmm. experience, yeah, can be such a personal thing and we try to like remind ourselves of that to get basically get out of the way, get right. out of our own way. Which is always um, the hardest thing in life. At, at totally. like that for me. I feel like I have like a bunch of notes written in my different notebooks of like just fucking get out of your own way. Like stop thinking about yeah. all this shit. I definitely think self-reflection is such a powerful tool for creativity. So, you know, sitting and sifting through the issues that happened at a show is really growth 
re it's like releasing and so i don't i i do that with my own stuff so i feel like i really hear that and i connect to that but like you were making there was videos like what even um what was the same era like wide eyes that was also that same time i think um yeah. that was yeah that was the same that was also brilliant like i don't know maybe it was because the song or the video both i was I've like, i mean I yeah that's just a classic another example of like being like oh it didn't really turn out the way we had envisioned and in our band we have so many cooks in the kitchen that getting everyone on the same page was it was a whole right, feat in itself and and so i mean it does make me happy to, to hear that you that you enjoyed it because yeah for so long i've been like oh what a you know no. missed opportunity or something no i think because no one, well, maybe it was because I'm foreign. I, as I said, my first <laughs> first foray, <laughs> like if, in terms of not being able to see you live first, I didn't realize growing up as a music lover, I didn't realize how much access people had to bands playing live. I feel like because I never, you know, I was very focused on local, the local scene. So the fact that like there's a lot of bands in my history that I found on like MTV or videos, it gives you this extra sense of the stylized version of a band, right? It's like this alternate universe. So that's kind of what I got, which is maybe why I connect I mean, no, I don't know why I'm... D I love that video. I'm actually going to just say... I'm going to fucking say it. I don't want to shake your <laughs> yeah, confidence yeah. in it. I, that, that's not what I want. <laughs> totally. I want to feel good afraid. about the video. I think you should watch it. Remember, Rye, and then all the apples exploding out of it? Out of the pictures? <laughs> it was all the rotten fruit. But we, all the rotten like, fruit. That, like, that scene was amazing. But leading yeah, up, we were like, why is this yeah. like ghost... Like walking yeah. around this house, like looking at plants. It's like, I don't I... really like uh, scary yeah. movies. And I'm like, oh, we're making like a haunted house. Like, cool. like oh, so it's just like, okay. yeah, I was like, oh, all right. I didn't anticipate that because it's such a, it's such a, like a feel good song as well, you know? But it's also like in the deep and darkest version of it. It is also quite, it, it is quite dark and sad. It's like yeah, pining yeah. after somebody that you, you are putting yourself in a position existentially. And if you look at the video in comparison, I've never, ever, even like, I've never even reviewed a video before. But if I can dissect it, it's such a great, like, you look back at yourself. And I, I guess the skeleton things were weird, but because I wasn't one of the skeletors, I didn't notice that. <laughs> skeletors. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you're right, too, though. Like, if, if the video had been this, like, very bubbly, like, twee thing, like, yeah. I think I think so often, like, um, juxtaposing, like, kind of opposing, like, darkness and lightness, uh -huh. like, with uh, the visual versus the music, I think there is something, like, really cool in that. And I think mm. if we had gone another way with it and it had been, like, super bright, I think it might have maybe pushed that song over the edge into a place we didn't want it to go or something. Well, there's still that mysteriousness, I, I guess, because you weren't in a lot of your videos in the beginning. Like there was versions of you or like stills and, you know, things like that. But in the beginning, at least, well, some of those extra stylized videos, you weren't in them as much or at least not the focus so I feel like yeah. that also was really alluring. Like we actually won 
some like demented award that we didn't know about <laughs> for for like the band who toured the most in the world and they mapped it was like song oh. kick they mapped all your shows for every artist and wow. we're literally number one it was like you've been around the globe like 10 times to the moon and back <laughs> a half time and you spent like 10 and a half months on the road and we were like we thought everybody was doing this. Like, you know, we didn't know. We didn't like it was realize. Yeah. So all those videos were made like while we were on tour early on. Uh, yeah, so much of the decision making back then was almost just like logistics. Like, well, it would be cool to be in the video, but we're not going to be around for several months. So uh, so here's some photos and you can make us skeletors yeah. in this haunted house. But, but I like that... Uh, I like that it led to a feeling of of mystery, which uh, is hard to come by nowadays. So that's cool that well, that, that's that worked. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's maybe. <laughs> hey, guys, make sure to subscribe. Hey, we'll subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Hit it up. <laughs> yep, that's me. Hashtag Rye. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Rye. Rye is crazy life. So wait, so on the other side of that then, what is the best video that you've made? Like My favorite is Breakers. Oh, I love yeah. the Breakers video, which was the, f like we did that with all of us and a friend with a camera and we're just running around shooting a couple of ideas that we had. And I think, yeah, that's my favorite video. It's it, it's funny, like, we're, like, saying, oh, we didn't really like the Airplanes video, but now I'm like, what video did we like? Like, every video feels like it had its own. Uh... <laughs> what about Breakers? Yeah. You didn't like Breakers? I like I like Breakers. I, I think that was good. I haven't seen it in a while, but, I mean, it's funny. Like, these new videos we just did probably had the least amount of, like, uh, mm -hmm. painful discussions in the band. I think, like, mm -hmm. the, the one for uh, Statues in the Garden that Jamie Wolf animated mm -hmm. and then this this latest one with Taylor and Sharon were probably the most streamlined. So I mean that's saying something, right? <laughs> I liked when am I gonna lose you too. That one's so Oh great. yeah. You know what's also really great is when you do talk about like the first gigs that people go to, which we'll get to, but you talk about those formative years when you found that one band and your brain was just like broken and shattered into pieces because you loved them so much. And it's often from the time when you're young, when your brain is forming into this thing and it's bubbling and you're like learning about yourself and there's hormones and there's just so much shit going on so maybe it's also because that was the first time that i met you guys is there a band that you maybe are not embarrassed by <laughs> but a band that has stuck with you and you don't know why so ryan and i we met you know in seventh grade we were like 12 years old and we got guitars and we started playing guitar together when we were 12 and oh, wow. we found um, At The Drive-In. Do you know At The Drive-In? Oh, my God. That was one of the best bands I've ever um, shot live because I take photographs too. He just jumps around. Yeah. Ju constantly jumps. And everyone told me before I got in the pit, like, just get your get your camera ready. <laughs> get, get it ready. Yeah. You're going to be shooting on shutter speed. And he's just like... Yeah, that, it's, it's a so that's bet. an example where Ryan and I fell in love with them more, I think, through we would 
open up, mm-hmm. you know, Kazaa and like illegally overnight download these live videos of at the drive-in playing and like wake up the next day and watch them and and the the visceral experience of that band was just going like mm-hmm. so nuts and we were so uh, attracted to it and we both definitely like grew these like curly you know, like picked out afros and we're like thrashing around on our guitars for a couple of years in high school because that yeah. was the band that then I think like really connected to us mm. viscerally. So wait, so when was the, have you seen them play live? No, I think that was that added to the mystery of it is I think they had like broken up like right as like Taylor and I were getting into them. Um, so then it was like the myth grew even more and obviously Mars Volta started up, but like Mm -hmm. at the drive-in was such like, um, such a formative. Yeah. 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 We definitely responded more to the energy of at the drive-in. Knowing each other so young, I have some mates from school when I was like also in the same, the same age. And there is that special bond that is almost familial and you just know each other on such a it's such a beautiful deep level but then being able to like live out this fantasy of this musician lifestyle i can imagine throws a whole other thing in so did you know that you were going to be in a band with one another like was that always the plan (laughs) it really was yeah i was gonna say it kind of feels like pretty early on we started playing guitar together and, and i think a combination of us just both being so like ambitious and whatever we threw ourselves into we just like kind of wanted to like excel at it I guess and and so maybe that kind of goody goody attitude with it combined with just like an like an immense love for for playing music you know um it just kind of kept going and I think we always just in our in the back of our heads we're like yeah this is what we're gonna do and we're gonna make it work and we kind of threw ourselves into it like tunnel vision style so you know Pretty early on, I think we were we were determined. I think like to be an artist, really of like any kind, as far as mm. I know. I mean, I'll definitely just say it from our experience. But you have to have, I think, a total naive, like, attitude mm. and spirit. Like, if you take any kind of logical look at it, it's sort of like, you know a crazy thing to be like, oh, we're going to, you know, we're these kids who are going to start a, a band in our garage and go all the way. And, and that attitude is so awesome and did kind of save us from our, you know, otherwise sort of, I think, suburban yeah. lives that otherwise, you know, you, you focus on other things. But yeah, we, we, you know, hit the road like in our van playing to five people in bars across the country, self-booked, like, a verifiably stupid thing to do (laughs) like there is no you know like real reason to do that um but it was so formative for us and really bonding and you know you cut your teeth and and you learn things about being in a band and you get better live Pause the podcast! It's time to step away from the conversation with local natives ever so briefly to share a special segment. We typically like to share a favorite live show or live stream of the week, but we want to continue putting a spotlight where it's most needed and instead highlight an organization we think you should contribute to. 
This week, we're highlighting Good Kids Mad City Inglewood, an organization of black and brown young people united in fighting to end violence through organizing for more resources to underserved communities rather than for the Chicago police. To learn more and contribute, head to gkmcinglewood.com slash donate. That's g-k-m-c-e-n-g-l-e-w-o-o-d dot com slash donate. But for now, back to Lior and local natives. Enjoy! I mean, it's the hard way around, but I suppose it's really sobering to go through an experience where you're playing to five people and you are, you know, thank God, because you probably were like, you know, still learning so much, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, it's total, it's total like boot camp. Like, like Taylor said, I don't know if it's necessary for like bands starting out today but i recommend going <laughs> viral on tiktok now yeah yeah just just bypass all of that yeah before yeah, you yeah, book your yeah. first um you know like 3500 mile oh tour that's what i would recommend dude that's what i mean but though. even it's just happening it's in front <laughs> yeah. of us right in front of our eyes i know ah. these poor kids they get kicked in the face uh as many times as we did and i don't know if it's a badge of honor i'm not sure it's just a different world now but like it was our story and i feel grateful for it because going through those experiences and yeah just like slamming your head against the wall we really did learn a lot about what makes us who we are as people and as a band we also like resilience you know you're kind of like oh like you really want to do this like you know then it gets really difficult and you're exhausted and you're like you know thousands of miles from home you're like okay do you still want to do this yeah. and and i think us like pushing through all those kind of like moments where i think maybe some other people would be like ah it's not really worth it i think for us like it just kind of made us you know it made it made us feel stronger and more resilient and so then when we got thrown into situations like south by southwest mm-hmm. where it's just like a you know, it's chaos. Like I think we were much more prepared and, and, you know, much more prepared to tour Mm -hmm. 10 and a half months out of the year. Like just all these things, I think it really formed us into, to the band we are. Mm. It's a good, it's a good tester. And I love that word like boot camp because I feel like, especially for bands who don't get the opportunity to tour around the fact that you had that and you took it and even if it was probably really shitty at times, it was a good lever as, okay, I can, I actually do want to do this. I want to devote my life to this. Um, yeah. As opposed to going viral on TikTok, which again, I think the same, that's probably so scary. I don't even want to know what it feels like to be an, you know, an unknown. And then the next day you have, you know, this world watching you. I don't know what's worse. I think both can teach you and get you probably to the same place eventually if you keep pushing but obviously by you guys going through that and looking at your career just in the rear view mirror it's such a i think that it really gave you made you all you know really focused on what you wanted to do so yeah but so wait what was that very first gig that you ever played do you remember it oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> i mean the first, the first, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how official, like, I don't know if this one counts, but I always just picture playing at your, your dad's house in the living room. 
it was like we had passed out flyers we had like told everyone in school and then of course yeah. like other people in other high schools had told their friends and so it just was packed to the brim and it was so exciting and like just straight out of like a a, a cheesy movie in my dad's living room and remember and then like on the banister and like sitting on the like railing like it's not like a large living room there were probably like 250 kids like packed yeah. it was so hot and so sweaty and we're just set up on the floor it was amazing and then the cops came like right at the end right as we had finished and yeah they shut it down you know tried to but we were already done anyway so we were like yeah screw you guys you know um it was just yeah was like so what fun. you what you dream about when you're like 13 or 14 so is that is yeah. that how old you were you were still you were that young were we 15 then maybe yeah it must have been high school right so we're like four, like yeah i would say 15 yeah do you do you have that flyer i wish we had that flyer that you passed around I'm sure, I mean... I'm sure you Yeah, I'm sure we it. could find Someone's it. Someone's mom or dad has it. Ryan's parents. Because <laughs> that's... Cause he's they're really pretty... Yeah, they're life. pretty good archive, ar- archival. Yeah, it's oh great. Oh my God, can they do my life, please? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I wish I had OCD in that sense. The best a little scrapbook. Ever. Oh, fuck. Give me a scrapbook any day. Love that shit. Luckily, now we're completely addicted to our phones. So uh, at least uh, for modern times, you can just scroll through your phone. Uh, yeah. The bane. My neck is sore even just thinking about it. I'm stretching, <laughs> stretching down. Did, wait, were you called local natives at that time? Or were you a different band name? That was a precursor. Okay, what, yeah. what is the precursor? <laughs> we were called uh, Cavill at Rest. <laughs> okay, now say it uh, time without laughing. <laughs> no, there's no need to really dive into it. Uh, <laughs> You're like, shut up. Don't ask me any more questions about that. I mean, it's funny. I almost blame it on at the drive-in because at the time it was like, let's just find the weirdest word we can find yeah. in the like dictionary and just, you know, you just own that. Yeah. Um, so no, whatever coaxial yeah, thing they were singing about... Uh, <laughs> It was like, we'll just go, we'll just go with that. Okay. Neutered is the vastness, hollow vacuum. Check the oxygen tanks. The the words were so crazy. <laughs> Banked on memory, mummified circuitry, skin graft machinery, Sputnik sickles found in the seats. We gotta sing it like he does. I love his. Uh, what is the one with, that he does with with Iggy Pop? Oh yeah. He's like, oh, guess who's coming that? today? Iggy Pop. Uh, replica. I love yeah, Iggy Pop. I can't remember Have you guys seen song. Iggy Pop live? Yeah, we played a festival with the Stooges when they kind of reunited uh, in France, in Normandy, oh in France, and like, it's 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 amazing. But like, they were easily the yeah. loudest, the loudest band that I've ever heard. It was amazing. <laughs> so unnecessarily loud. Yeah. He um, jumped off the stage. I was in Helsinki shooting Flow Festival and he jumped off the stage and spat in the photographer's lenses. And it was the best thing. Everyone was so pissed off. And I was like this, like, 
I want to be covered in this. Yeah, that's amazing. When do you ever get the chance to get spat on by Iggy Pop? Like, come on, that's a rite of passage, right? Yeah. But I remember it being loud. You're right. It was really loud. And he's kind of small, too. He looks like a little little action figure. It's pretty great. Um, uh, the only person that like that like, got close to that and maybe surpassed was was when we saw Nick Cave. Oh. You know, he was like he was also just like in his like awesome like bell bottom suit, uh, yeah. jumping in the crowd and like screaming straight into people's faces, and it was just so electric. It was it was awesome. Where did you see him play? Where was that? we did this whole kind of circuit of festivals, and we kept like we were just on the same loop. And yeah. the coolest one probably was that barracks. I, wasn't it France? Yeah, that was also in France. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you remember their uh, their green room was like, all the green rooms were just like little curtains. So, you know, we're basically right next to them. And they sounded like the rowdiest, <laughs> like, Australian football like, It was their pre-show team. ritual. So we're in this literal, like, 14th century stone barracks. And they put up, like little cloth on pvc between the green room ours is right next to theirs we finish playing they're about to go on and they go into this ritual where they were screaming and howling and like taking shots it was so wild we could not believe it I i mean i literally have chills like this kind of this kind of intel it's just so i know i almost feel bad blowing up their spot but it was like a truly like you know, because nobody w- it was just for them to mm, like prepare mm. for their show, and they were just like, like being kind of like wild animals. Like it was yeah. It was nice to see people still being wild. I think yeah. you know. So do you like see at that, that age too? Yeah. Do you see less of that now, or is it just because you wouldn't have expected? Because he has like somber, somber moments on stage where he's like, one, he's screaming at you in the crowd. And then he's, you know, at the piano. So there's like he he gives you everything when he's playing live. I think, like I've, I've yeah. And this that was just this is my kind of like I don't know. This is like armchair psychology or something. But like I yeah. feel like because they don't play to any sort of like click tracks or mm-hmm. it's it's a very like old school just like you have to feel the energy of the band like you know they all have to be in sync and stuff and i think to get there every night you probably have to conjure some like you know some of that energy whereas if you're just like a you know another modern band like with everything on a click track and everything's just kind of like Mm -hmm. ready to go i think it might be a little easier Um, we don't play on a click but we're not like we're not like howling like wolves. Well, what do you what do you guys? I don't do? know, Tay. Tay, we get we get pretty weird before shows. Yeah, <laughs> I feel get... like you you're you're trying to hide the fact that you probably do this something similar. No, what do you guys do before the show? Right. What do you? I mean, I've, it's a certainly more tame version than Nick Cave well, and the Bad than... Seeds. <laughs> no, no, I'm not trying to equate us. I'm just I... saying that there is like, and anytime you talk about it, it's so like lame because yeah it, it's it, it's almost like you have to be there <laughs> like it yeah. doesn't it doesn't really like make sense but there is tay there is like nonsense weird noises involved yeah that's true that's true yeah i think we we do we like have a moment and get connected and then mm-hmm. and then we're weird 
right before the show. That's true. Yeah. Is that a, is that in terms of like the the word being like operative word being ritual? Like, is that something that's more superstition based? Is that repeated every night, or is it just because you know that by getting connected and releasing and doing that kind of ritual can help you on the stage. Yeah, it's ritualistic, n- not in a All superstitious right. way, but just in how ritual is used to sure. put you in a place, you know? And again, like this could be in the context of like e- either hard touring where you're like really on the road or say we've been a little disconnected and now we're together in some, you know, other country and it's it's a ritual that I think centers us and puts us in the space to say, like, mm-hmm. everything else is going to disappear for the next hour and a half or two hours. And everything else disappears except for this yeah. experience and this purpose. Totally. It snaps you out of whatever sort of distractions are, like, going on, you know, before mm-hmm. the show and all the other, like... Uh, you know, outlying factors. You just have to like somehow be like, all right, we got to all five of us be yeah. present like here and now to make this happen. Yeah, like life. I always wonder how people who perform or have a public facing career. So w- whether it's, you know, actors that I've spoken to or you have to put your things and your day aside. And sometimes that's so difficult to disconnect. Uh, weirdly, we were chatting about disconnection at the start of our call, but I feel like when you are about to enter the stage, you almost have to like give yourself away, give way to that. And you can't like carry it on stage because otherwise you're going to mess up. Someone in the band's going to feel shit. So how do mm-hmm. you manage to, to balance that? Well, I think that this really ties back to what we were talking about with our roots and the origins of local natives and kind of what we see, like even from at the drive-in and then we didn't talk about this, but Ryan and I, you know, we grew up in Southern California and there was kind of like a punk and hardcore scene with shows in basements and those were those formative experiences, kind of what like live music and rock and roll, what that is. And you sort of just have like a, you know, primitive, just visceral understanding when you're a teenager. And now that we've been doing this and it's our lives, I think it is a really sacred thing. It's this exchange of energy. And we are here in this moment to like be in commune as human beings and sharing art and sharing this experience, sharing like humanity. Um, And I just think it's so deep rooted in us in doing yeah. all those tours. We we had played hundreds of shows kind of before local natives started to really get on the map. Yeah. And um it's yeah, it's very deep rooted in what music means to us. Uh and like what its purpose yeah. is. Mm-hmm. I feel like that breeds a lot of vulnerability and um, you know, a sense of like what is success and what is failure just from like a creative sense. Because when you are, when you know that you're focusing on what you want to do and living your truth and you're following your passion, it's also really scary to be able to just throw yourself right into it. And so do you ever feel either of you, I suppose, not, I don't want to say stage fright because I think that that has the wrong connotations, but is there any hesitation when you go on stage now or has it just really left your system and you don't even think about that? I feel like we never, I feel like I've never had that. Not even in the beginning. No, 
the only time you I think you feel that is like there's this human experience of when like things go up a level and mm-hmm. now you're playing in a different context and you're used to I guess like for three shows like I remember the first time we played Coachella was to 5000 people and before that you know we had we had been used to playing to like 800 to 1000 people and mm-hmm. 5000 was this leap and it did feel crazy but not there was it wasn't stage fright it was like um it's like a heightened heightened state a very heightened state of like nerves mm-hmm. but excited nerves and then on like your third festival now that's like normalized and then right. if you play for 10,000 people it comes back or something but um yeah i don't i don't think there's for me at least there's ever been apprehension cuz i again i just think like from the roots of why I wanted to be in a band with Ryan and do this thing is because it's when like I felt the most alive. And so I've just always loved performance. And yeah, I I think it's just like a very enervating and exciting experience. But Taylor is an extrovert as we established before. (laughs) So it would make sense that he's just like, let's get up there and do it. And I but think you need, uh, it. you need that as well. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Because yeah. there's a lot of room for error. There's a it's it's in a live setting. So much can can happen. There's there's multitudes of components that can crumble, and also just you know be happy surprises. So you almost need the guy yeah. who's a little bit apprehensive and a bit more nervous, and then you know the one who's in his head, and then the other one who's just like fuck yeah, let's do this. I am made for this. Totally. It's like an, it's an addiction almost. When you get into that zone. Um, yeah. Bands, yeah. it's hard. Like there's so many dynamics. It's hard. You do have yeah. to balance so many things and make so many sacrifices to, especially being a band and relying on all these people and have this connection yeah. that has to work. And I'll just like one more time. Yeah. Throw it back to like when we did that run with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds and we mm. heard their pre-show warm up and they have been playing a lot longer than us. And mm. we, we, I kept seeing Nick go into the audience and that really like it filled me with this thing of like, oh my God, I have to do that. <laughs> and actually as a direct result, I started, I like now go into the audience basically every show. Amazing. And it was just directly from from watching him uh, do that festival run and seeing it every night. And I was just so filled with the like, it felt like a need to do mm-hmm. it. And it's, yeah, it's that moment of feeling like this is on, you know, unknown. Like you don't know what's going to yeah. happen. It could be dangerous. Are people going to like drop you or is someone going to, you know, freak out or, you know, whatever, any kind of anything could happen and. Yeah, I mostly do um, uh, crowd surf when we play uh, Sun Hands, Mm -hmm. which usually ends the set. And that is like a crowd surf where I go in with the microphone and um, and it's pretty crazy. Like over the like the first time it was legitimately super scary. (laughs) Like didn't know. (laughs) But now it's actually quite predictable. Like I actually can kind of surf the crowd and like go out and be on top of it and like sing. (laughs) And then like and then I can kind of like ride the wave back in and we finish the song. 
Um, so mostly it's like that. Some sometimes it is going in among the crowd as well, like on the ground. Depending, I suppose, if you're like exhausted and you like just take me away, just carry me, carry me, carry <laughs> across the street. Yeah, I don't want to return. Send me away. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like that's what happens with uh, Matt from the National. He goes into the crowd, but instead of going into the crowd first, he goes and like gets a beer. So he'll like take his camera. He'll t- camera. He'll take that his sounds like Matt, and he'll <laughs> saunter down, and somehow he gets this like Moses-like path, and he's straight to the beer tent, gets his beer, drinks it, and then he goes into the crowd and sings. He's like a you know kind of like lazy dad rock star he's like oh i'm doing the hollywood bowl but i'm gonna go get a beer because i'm at work but the talent the talent in that band i mean you i remember hearing that you worked with aaron as well from from the national that was on the second was it the second record it was yeah i mean that's such a perfect fit aaron is a sweetheart like what a sweet fucking so talented yeah it's so so amazing that was a really cool really cool experience we lived with him in his spot in brooklyn at the time um he had you know this like victorian house in prospect park and he had the studio in the back that's where they had done the last national record mostly and um, Matt and his wife had been living upstairs, but then they went mm-hmm. and lived somewhere else. So we were living in that space that they had been living in. Um, and that was just a really cool time. We actually met Sharon Van Etten at that time, yeah. who he had just done a record with and who then yeah. like that relationship started then. And we just did this collaboration and this song together, which was really amazing. Track and a collaboration with somebody like her. I think she's... I st- the last time I saw her was when she was opening, weirdly opening, for Wilco in, like, October or November last year here. And I've always seen Sharon mm. as, like, the main headliner to me. Just just because she, I don't, just her music is just, like, stuck inside my bones. And so was that collaboration, I mean, was it just, what did you, what did you learn? Well, first off, just like she was like the kindest, like best person like we could have, I don't know, worked with. Like just we just like hung out with her for a few hours before we even started working on music um, at this old spot. We always used to like eat at um, near our practice space and just, yeah, she just felt like, I don't know, just we would just felt like uh, kindred spirits or something. And then throughout the whole process was just so like, yeah, like, um, however I can be of help. Like she just like made it so fun and easy. And then just hearing her sing on it. Um, it's like a lower register, I think, than she maybe normally sings in, um, at least for the first verse. And it's just, it just adds such like, I don't know. It just took the song to like a whole nother level as soon as she sang on it. She doesn't have like, an ounce of like a whiff of pretension at right. all in her whole like being like she's so like kind of chill and um and just like nice and after working with her was she on your bucket list of people to work with because you know i think collaboration is such a strong point for you as a band but i, I you know after the the second record I love the one that followed that, uh, you know, there was that track with uh, Moses Samney, which, you know, a lot of people didn't know about him at the time. 
Um, so was there, was she on your bucket list or was that just something that came up because of proximity and just like be, knowing the same people? She always was on our bucket list. I, I think just her, like her voice, I think kind of first and foremost in a way, like when we were thinking, you know, because again, for local natives, we have like so many songwriters and singers in, in, in a way, mm. there's like not always like an obvious fit for collaboration for us and somebody like Moses, okay. who has like an extremely distinct. And I think we're also like getting over, like there has been a progression. I think we're a lot more open to collaboration now. I think we're like a, t a tighter knit uh thing for like many years as local natives mm. um but yeah sharon just just her voice and when this song came up yeah it was because we had the relationship and she was on our bucket list she had just moved from new york to la mm. and so it it like you know so we just reached out on that level and as ryan kind of alluded to it sort of snowballed we were like we have this song like we're almost done with it. We kind of like just put it together. Do you want to kind of mm -hmm. help us finish it? She came over and like helped us finish it. She she kind of like wrote that outro to the mm. song with us. And then we at that time, we were like, yeah, we're thinking of it being a duet, but we didn't have it in us to like ask at that first meeting, like, would you <laughs> sing it? Um, so it wasn't even that. And then I think Ryan like ran into her on the street as we were finishing recording it. And we were like, we have to ask her to sing it. Yeah. And then you did, right, right? Like running into her on Figueroa or something. Yeah, I think that's where like Tay's like extrovert confidence comes in because he was like, dude, just straight up ask her. And so I just, <laughs> you know, and I think I think Rock we were emboldened like because I mean, yeah, it's it is like a nice like uh, we we lift each other up, and I yeah. think like. We, on our third record, we uh, collaborated with, uh, or we asked uh, Nina Pearson from the um, mm -hmm. Cardigans to sing on a song. And, and again, that was a thing of like, oh, let's just, let's just go for it. You know, like it was like, yeah, I, I'm surprised she said yes. And then when she did, we're like, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> but that's the it was beauty great. of this time as well. And not only, you know, the fact that you've collaborated in the past, but also this time everyone is more accessible because you know okay the one that i met in the middle of france that band they might not be touring right now so i can contact them easier maybe collaborate more you know so i feel like that's also kind of the upside of what what's happened this year i've seen much more collaborations come out um and some mm -hmm. people are just more comfy not being even in the same room as one another you know there's artists that f are very private about their process um are you guys private or maybe maybe the what thing i'm wondering about or curious about is if you're precious with the work that you do i think we are precious with it mm. and i think it has been um yeah like a definitely a really interesting dynamic in our band that in some yeah. ways has changed a lot of her time and in some ways is totally the same and has always been there because Ryan, Kelsey, and I all, like, write songs. Mm -hmm. um, we usually, like, do the seed of a song, you know, kind of alone. Sometimes it's mm -hmm. flushed out, sometimes it's really not. Um, 
Kelsey and I sing lead. Ryan writes a lot of songs. People don't always know that Ryan writes as much as he does um, because Kelsey and I are singing more. So there is this whole thing of like egos in the band and like uh, even though we all are like, okay, at the end of the day, we know that a local native song is best when we all collaborate on it. Like we have learned that lesson. We kind of learned it from the beginning and we always do, but there's still these battles that happen internally with records. So it is a quite insular process or at least has been. Um, And I think that's why we haven't collaborated, you know, more than we have, but when we have done it, as Ryan mentioned his last few times, it's been so amazing and and pretty great. So I, I think we are a lot more open to it now than we were, you know, five years ago. I wonder what shifted. Oh, go ahead, Ray. What do you think? No, oh, I was, I was just going to say, I feel like it is just in the kind of uh, under the umbrella of just wanting to always grow and progress and kind of, you know, every record we try to like do something a little different and not just for the sake of doing something different, but just trying to like challenge ourselves and, and want to feel like we're doing something new and uh, using maybe different instruments or just different songwriting techniques. And and to me, it's just kind of like a, a natural progression of like, what happens if we bring in some other artists that we really love and respect? Like, how does that kind of, you know, throw it into the, the hopper, into the blender of like local natives, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, among other things, I think that's kind of part of it. I was going to tie it back to yeah. the original... <laughs> Um, thing of like your love for the airplanes video which we hated and (laughs) this like long this long lesson of realizing that preciousness and like perfectionism really is at odds with when our band is at its best and it also Mm -hmm. ties into the spirit of Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds like backstage at that show and what we learned watching them live you know this band has been doing it decades longer than us and I just think slowly over time we've seen it we're like oh actually the more that we let go and the more that Mm -hmm. we're in the moment and just purely drawing sort of on energy excitement and inspiration that is when the best most magical thing happens and when that's captured um so to me it's it's all like kind of connected to that the long arc of that lesson but so then what was the first show that either of you saw like the first concert that you saw live back to kind of what taylor was saying about like seeing shows in basements and 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 like at churches and stuff like that i remember tay was it we saw project 86 that i think that was our first show there was like there was like this like christian version of like rage against the machine basically was oh. was that is that what it was Ted? yeah but like a little darker <laughs> and more hardcore like he would yeah. he would like have like contacts in and he would like cry at every show the singer and it was like it was it was heavy it you was know emo it was sure. it was like heavy and emo and kind of hardcore must have been junior high I think like thirteen. But wait, they Maybe, from, yeah. aren't they from California? Why? I, I like. Yeah, oh yeah. God. There was a big scene in Southern California of like hardcore, 
Yeah. Um, Christian, not all of it was Christian, but a lot of it was. And so it was in, as Ryan said, kind of churches and basements. And there was like a, a band called um, Die Radio Die that were like from San Diego or something. And another band that, you know, we would go see just at like church basements and stuff. And just it blew our minds kind of in the same way Out the Drive-In did. And I would definitely say they were another like formative Kind of that that even that whole sound that that emo thing was like Thursday and and bands like that I guess early on was like a big they uh, were they were much more musical like a little more Beatles yeah. influenced than yeah. you know punk or hardcore. But seeing that must have been like fuck that must have been such an experience like being in a basement in that stuffiness like and remembering just that feeling of oh my god this is like the best thing in the world i still have the shirt from that concert that i bought because i got blood like all over it and it was like my first concert and i bought the shirt and i got like blood all over it because there was a pit you know and people like going crazy and yeah it was it was a real (laughs) eye-opener from like (laughs) suburban life in southern california it really was just such an adrenaline like uh sensory overload just you'd never really experienced anything like that before and you would leave the show Mm. just on such a rush and like music was like just felt like everything you know you're just so as a kid you're just so like intensely feeling all of it and uh yeah i'm just glad we we grew up getting to experience that you know yeah i definitely think it shaped us but is there a show that the two of you have played that really has stuck out all these years, other than obviously the the one in France and that experience, but is there like a show where you didn't get off stage and compare notes and, you know, see what all the things that went wrong, that it just was... Well, we actually like left that practice behind, I would say sometime, yeah, after Hummingbird, after our second record. I think we yeah. finally shook that. So yeah. uh, it's it's not been the normal experience for a long time now. I was going to say, like, you also learn along the way that, like, when things go wrong on stage, like mm-hmm. when something maybe breaks or somebody messes up the words or something like that, like, mm-hmm. that actually ends up making for a more memorable show. And, and if you can handle it with, like, humor and grace and kind of just, like... Mm-hmm lean into the like off script nature of it i think it does make for you know a more interesting show for the audience as well um yeah so so like taylor said we've like left we've tried to like leave that kind of um hypercritical thing behind like maybe we'll talk about notes the next day but uh after the show we try to just be like hey that was fun good job I I think that right for like the larger things, but and like most of the types of mistakes that we were focused on of like we didn't nail this three part harmony on this point of the song or like somebody hit a wrong chord like are actually unknown to 99 percent of the audience. Totally. 99.9%. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're a little inside it, you know, of like those types of of mistakes. And then, yeah, we're harping on it. But just like the energy of of a show is so much more important than the like analytical readout of like Mm -hmm. your score on like, you know, the rock band, like video game. 
Uh, like the vibe is a lot more important than that. That's kind of why we, uh, I feel like we've, we've closed our set with sun hands for so many years is because that song is like kind of the oldest song we have as a band. Like it comes from a time when we were still pretty, like, I don't know, pretty like worshiping at the altar of at the drive-in and kind of just like, just putting as much like crazy energy into the live show as possible like almost like less focused on songwriting more just on like energy and uh and so it's it's hard to to really do anything else in our set because that no matter what happens it's like you can always just be like even if the set's going bad we just really lean into sun hands and just let it all let it all out on that song and i think as long as you like you know you leave people with that sensation at the end of the night, the set kind of can, can be rescued if it's, if it's gone off the rails before then. Um, yeah. but yeah, a song like sun hands kind of comes from that, that mindset, you know, have you, do you know how many times you've played that song? I love that song as well, but I'm just looking on Setlist FM and cause I was just interested in how many times do you know, do you feel like that's the song that you've played the most in your in your repertoire possibly yeah yeah i think I, I think it is like because we because as you said right we close with it often yeah so it's in a lot of sets and then it has so many years like up on the other songs statistically it says but this is according to setlist fm statistically wide eyes is actually your most played Oh but wow! I See, I would, to. I would, I would go with that. I, that sounds right to me. Um, I wanted to just ask you. Lastly, knowing, like, knowing that the first concert will come eventually, the first concert that you get back to, what do you want that concert to be? Like, where? What is like your ideal next place venue that you'd like to play? Well, we we have this like horrible circumstance of which we are completely in, in control of and haven't adjusted in which our calendar is still synced with our tour schedule. And so it'll constantly be like, Hey, tomorrow you're playing a festival in Italy oh, no. or like you should be in Mexico, you know, right now, <laughs> whatever. Um, and we had this world tour, uh, that was starting in LA, a hometown show at the Greek theater, which is absolutely in my top three venues in the world to play at. Oh. And so that that has been postponed. And that was supposed to be the start of this big world tour. Um, so definitely that's just anchored in my mind. Like you said, like I'm just stuck mm. at the beginning of March when quarantine yeah. happened. And um, for me, I, I would I would love to. That's just like how I envision touring kicking off again. Yeah, that would be... God, that would be beautiful. When so, what is the next step? What after this EP? What what is next? Because you you obviously have some sort of like idea of what you're working on next. So, dish, tell me. Well, next we're gonna see um, if America is gonna decide to just screw itself <laughs> forever, yeah. or like move in the right direction and um, uh, you know get on board with like defeating the virus hopefully yeah um i yeah i think we we have been in talks um 
with each other and a couple of producers and some studios. And because we've had all this time, we do have a bunch of material that's in that kind of like classic local natives infancy stage where we all have song ideas, but we haven't been in a room to collaborate. So I think we're probably, we're just looking at a time of where can we all kind of quarantine and then pick a couple of weeks or a month and get together in a studio and, and start working on some some of these new songs that we have. Has anything like different filtered into that writing of some of the new songs? Like anything from the year or like shifted into like thematically in terms of what you wanting to approach? I think because we have multiple songwriters, the themes tend to just I don't know, they seem to like crop up like after the fact or something. Oh, we start right, to realize yeah. like even on the EP we just put out, I didn't really think about it much at the time, but it does feel like there are themes even on that. And um, I think um, I think I think it'll be interesting once we get together um, to kind of just like take the temperature of like how we're all feeling and, and what is on our minds. And we're all, you know, somewhat living different lives this year than we usually would when we're on tour together, experiencing the same thing. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say until we get together really. Cause like yeah. Taylor said, it's just a bunch of little seedlings. This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kivel. We'd like to thank Dean Berger and Daniel Breiter for additional music, as well as the Consequence Podcast Network. Hey! If you've listened this far, why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too. For information on new episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at TMBTGPod. And generally, just irritate everyone you know about the show. Thanks again, and I miss you already. Consequence Podcast Network.